And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Hi, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Happy to be here. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here today on a Saturday. And, uh, John, I know you're not feeling so well today with a cold and whatnot, but you still came in, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, last, uh, last week we talked a little bit about how to read the Bible. And we mentioned a uh, false teacher out there by the name of Harold Camping. But this is a much bigger um, area to look at. And so we thought today we'd continue the discussion and uh, just use as a jumping point uh, some of the things that Harold has written and uh, really compare them as to what the Bible has to say. Um, you know, there's um, sometimes an emphasis, and, and he shares this, that there is something called progressive revelation. And uh, I know before we opened the mic, Mark, you had mentioned that particular phrase. But uh, let me just grab a quote here. It says this, um, However, in our day, when we're very close to the end of time, God for the third time is revealing much additional truth, has always been in the Bible, but it's remained a mystery throughout time. Thus, it is almost like God has given us an addition to the Old and New Testaments. And I'll just stop reading the quotation there. Mark, what comes to your mind when you hear a quote like that? When I hear a quote like that, I cannot help but think of all the many cults that uh, have added things to the Scripture and said, okay, here's the Scripture, but we've got something else. You think of uh, Mary Baker Eddy, Christian Science. Mm -hmm. You think of uh, Joseph Smith. Any number of groups that have to add just uh, something else Mm -hmm. and Here, it's not a new book, but it's taking the old book and reading it in an entirely different and novel way. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, we open the Word of God and we can have confidence that uh, this truly is uh, God's Word to us. It's not like we're looking for a a new edition, uh, a new uh, kind of a twisted explanation of these words. Well, the, the early church clearly thought the canon had been closed and defined it carefully. It's also true that they had certain criteria Mm -hmm. to indicate that, first of all, that it have apostolic authority. The apostles, of course, have passed off the scene, even though it was uh, the highest office next to what our Lord held as the only mediator between God and man. The Mm -hmm. apostles, though, and at the apostolic office, was not a permanent office. And, uh, And revelation, in some sense, ceases with that office. Now, there is a kind of progression, though, uh, in the Scriptures. There's no question that from the time of Moses to the time of the apostles, there is a progression or unfolding of God's plan of salvation. Uh, And even after the canon, or that is, the Scriptures are closed and not to be added to, it's also true that there is a kind of progressiveness, but it has nothing to do with revelation. It has to do with our understanding. Mm -hmm. In other Mm -hmm. words... We stand on the shoulders of giants, as says Isaac Mm -hmm. Newton. And if we see further, it is because the Holy Spirit continues to work and helps us to mine the riches of his word. Mm. Now, last week, you gentlemen mentioned that as we read the Bible, um, one of the things we must keep in mind is that we, we have to try to discern, of course, by the Spirit of God, what the intent of the original author was. These men wrote to be understood in, I believe you mentioned the coin. 
Koine Greek. Koine, Koine Greek. And so it was the plain language of the day. Plain, simple language of the day. It was the language of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. The word Koine means common. All right. What well, was common among the people? Yeah, yeah. And so um, here the Bible appears. Um, it's real. It appears historically. Um, it has grammar, and the rules of grammar apply. Um, Mark, I think there's a term for this that the churches over the ages has used in terms of describing how we interpret the Bible. What is that methodology again? Yeah, it's it's the historic grammatical uh, hermeneutic and method of studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so that is, um, uh, I think, from what little I know, gentlemen, uh, is commonly accepted as uh, an appropriate way to handle the Scriptures honestly and accurately. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when, you know, I think one of the great examples of that, we see that when Philip met with the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch was studying Isaiah 53. Of course, they didn't have chapters or verses back then, but mm-hmm. it was Isaiah 53. And basically the questions were, who is it speaking about? You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't some obscure passage that Philip had to spiritualize. It was a passage, and if anybody studies Isaiah 53, it is, describes to a T what Jesus Christ did. Yes. And if you take it literally and grammatically, mm-hmm. there it is. It's it's all right there. You don't have to spiritualize it. Mm-hmm. It's it very found, descriptive. It found its fulfillment in Jesus, and in, that was the simple explanation. That's that it. That was what was missing from his... His understanding, mm. he could read the words, and right. he wouldn't have not uh, been reading the words if, if in fact, he didn't think he could understand them. Uh, moreover, uh, it was good that he was reading the word right. and trying to understand. Yes. But his question was, who is he speaking about? <laughs> yes. And that's and that's all. And when, when Philip was able to say, it's Jesus, and look what he did. He died on the cross for sins, and oh, then it makes all kinds yeah. of sense yes. yeah. immediately. Now, is it safe to say that at that point we see uh, how God, by his Spirit, worked in in this man's heart and helped him to believe on Jesus? Definitely. You know, there's a passage uh, that has to do with Lydia. Hmm. Uh, That that is a curious passage if you go back and look at Paul's encounter with her. He proclaims Hmm. the gospel to her. Now, no doubt she understood the message, but she was resistant until... Hmm. The Holy Spirit, it says, removed the barriers of unbelief, yeah. opened her heart. This really doesn't have anything to do with understanding words and the and mm-hmm. the gospel in one sense. The Holy Spirit is also actively and powerfully removing the doubts and fears and unbelief mm-hmm. of the hearer. That's Who, a wonderful thing when that happens. It, mm-hmm. it is an amazing thing. That's, that's what being born again of yes. the Spirit of God is Absolutely. all about. And, and it says that God simply... Opened her heart. It's like scales falling off your eyes. Scales falling from your eyes. Yeah, (laughs) it's a miracle what God does in the heart of His people. Um, This method of interpreting the Bible—it may sound kind of technical, but uh, it's it's the method that we're led to as we read the Bible. It just naturally comes from the Bible, doesn't it? It's historical. We use rules of grammar. And this hermeneutic develops that's very honest, and it's objective. It can be confirmed by others who are students of the Bible. It's called the historical grammatical hermeneutic. 
You know, you know, one of the reasons that we use the word grammar here, and, and many of us, Mark has, and I, I have studied Greek and Hebrew and mm. some other languages, is to read in the language of the original author. Because mm. we believe that the grammar which he used, the words which he used, are important. That's right. Moreover, mm. we study the culture and the faith situation in which that word came. So we try to understand what yeah. how people thought in Paul's day so that we can apply it to our day. That's all the grammatical, historical right. yeah. uh, approach to the Bible is. And that's the way you approach, by the way, any text. In the way, it's, uh, it's kind of the common sense approach. <laughs> I, t- I teach Plato. Yeah. I do the very same thing. Yeah. When people read the Republic, I go back and say this is the life situation. This is what they believed in general, their worldview, and we examine the language. You interpret the Bible the same way you would interpret Plato's Republic. Yeah, it's how any reasonable, studied person would, would look at it. Hey, we need to take a quick break. Um, today you're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. This is a continuation of last week's discussion on how to read the Bible. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, joined with uh, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about How to Read the Bible, Part 2. And uh, prior to the break, we had mentioned the historical grammatical hermeneutic method of uh, Bible interpretation. And um, what really got us into this whole discussion was uh, one radio guy out there that's claiming that he's basically got all the answers on how to understand the Bible. And uh, on his um, on his website, he actually talks about the historical grammatical hermeneutic. And he says this, he says, The man-made historical grammatical hermeneutic method of Bible interpretation that is held by virtually every church, denomination, seminary, etc., is to be totally rejected. And when I saw that, I, I was kind of shocked, although not terribly surprised, knowing it was coming from him. But, you know, what happens um, when we have a group of people, so-called experts, who uh, claim a special knowledge. Uh, what, what happens? You know, in this case, it's not even a group. It's one person. So you ask yourself the question here. He says, reject the grammatical, historical, interpretive approach to the Bible. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can't understand the message in the simple, plain language that was given in. That's mm-hmm. what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But now, he also says, reject the whole universal tradition of Christianity in favor of one person's interpretation. That's what shocked me. <laughs> and here is what the Bible, uh, Peter says, the Bible, or the Word of God, is of no private interpretation. Yes. And this person That's has right. set himself yeah. up to privately interpret right. the Scriptures against the whole of the Christian church down through the centuries. It is unbelievable. Uh, Whenever I preach, which is every Sunday, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, when I preach uh, and and I'm working through a passage, I always look at the the commentators. Sure. And the reason I look at the commentators is to make sure I'm not uh, reading into the passage something which is is strange, Mm -hmm. you know. I want to make sure that it's consistent with uh, what is historical and grammatical in that passage. I want to know what Wesley or Whitfield said or Jonathan Mm -hmm. Edwards or John Calvin or Martin Luther or Thomas Aquinas or St. Augustine. I want to know what they said. exactly. Isn't that really part of uh, just simply being accountable also to the body of Christ? Well, it yeah, is. You know. uh, it is. Uh, you know, we are all idiosyncratic or unusual yeah. or peculiar in our approaches, except me. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to be balanced, right? Uh, in that way, uh, yeah. I do touch base with the great Christian teachers because the Bible says that God has placed in His church right. teachers. Yeah, and uh, th- there are some tremendous. And great teachers mm. that uh, they've gone on to be with the Lord, but mm-hmm. my, why, why would I want to ignore their voice? That's right. Mm. Helps keep us on the right track. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say this: uh, John Calvin has a profound insight into the way God works. And if you go back and read his Institutes or in other places, he says it a number of times in different places. He says that God accommodates himself to our capacity. Now think mm-hmm. about that for a moment. God has reduced his communication and has come to us in our language, in our time, in our place to communicate to us. It's almost a confrontation. Mm-hmm. I don't have to scale the heavens and 
and learns some strange heavenly language, Mm-mm. he comes and speaks to me in our language. <laughs> and isn't that what Jesus did? Yeah. God accommodated his revelation to us in that Jesus, the very Son of God, the image of the invisible God, meets us in our history in uh, the same flesh and the same blood that we have mm-hmm. and tells us the good news. Trying so it's uh, uh, for some spiritual, uh, quote, expert uh, to set him or herself up. In some cases, it's a her. Mm-hmm. Set him mm-hmm. or herself up to be the gatekeeper of the meaning of the scriptures is, uh, what should I say? It is astounding. <laughs> yeah. This has happened before, though, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Where, where oh, yes. a person sets themselves up. Uh, I think of uh, David Koresh. I think one of you gentlemen had mentioned that uh, before we opened the mics. The Branch Davidians. Yeah. yeah. And we see what happened with that uh, particular cult. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they were very sincere. Oh, the sincerity is not the question. No. It's a deception. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, it's been going on through the ages. You, you go back to the time of the Reformation, you have... Jan Mathies and uh, Jan of Leiden, who did pretty much the same thing. Or the Zwickau prophets. I know you know Reformation history. Exactly right. Mm. The Zwickau prophets, yeah. They, they, they set themselves up of having uh, deeper understandings, right. mm-hmm. uh, spiritual understandings. And, and that goes all the way back to probably one of the first heresies in the Christian church, and that was Gnosticism. That's true. Mm. You had you had to get inside the group and get the special knowledge. And what what does that mean? Gnosticism. Gnosticism means the Greek word from gnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means knowledge. Mm-hmm. And these uh, people had this special knowledge. Ah, yes. Yeah, you're you're saved through knowledge and not through trust in Jesus Christ. Yes. Right. Yes. Special knowledge, Joe, esoteric and mystical knowledge, yeah. mm-hmm. where you have to get on the inside and well, learn the secrets. That's a lot like this deeper spiritual meaning stuff. And Absolutely. Uh, one man is uh, really the authority, and then the followers kind of parrot what he's saying. And, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I keep... Uh, turning my Bible back to uh, the book of Hebrews. Mm. And I was wondering, Mark, maybe you could share with the listeners what uh, the very first chapter and the first couple of verses of Hebrews says and how that applies to us today uh, in terms of handling the yeah. Word of God. Yeah, this pretty much uh, sums up why why we have a closed canon. And, and, of course, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, mm-hmm. whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so we see here that Jesus Christ is the last revelation. That's yeah. why we, we have it. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled yeah. all those shadows and types that were were uh, pointing uh, ahead mm-hmm. to it. And because that fulfillment is done, I mean, it's done. Yeah. You know, there's there's no need for a new revelation. We don't need to be looking for so-called deeper spiritual meanings right. that are pronounced by just one uh, so-called prophetic voice uh, somewhere out in California. <laughs> yeah. Well, it... it uh, to be distinguished from if I meditate on the Word of God, I'm sure to mine its riches or mm. to set at the feet of a great teacher, as Mary and Martha's story indicates. Mm. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you're going to get understanding. 
uh, you wouldn't otherwise, acknowledging that, but to have someone set themselves up as a special authority when they have called themselves and, you might say, ordained themselves to that position, Mm -hmm. it's a dangerous thing to follow such a prophet. Well, let's just talk for a moment, and I I see we only have um, maybe five minutes left to this broadcast, to uh, the listener out there who uh, has a Bible and uh, he wants to sit down and read the Bible, what are some um, really good passages? Let's say you're a new Bible student, maybe a new Christian. What are some good passages to start reading, uh, practically speaking, that will help you grow as a Christian? You know, I, I think uh, a new, uh, particularly a real new believer, Probably should sit down and read the Gospel of John (laughs) to reinforce. That's what I was going to say. To reinforce the basic message of God's self-seeking, searching love for the lost sinner, and it does say at the end that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And if you want to understand or delve into a doctrinal passage, I would suggest one of Paul's letters, such Mm -hmm. as Galatians or Ephesians. And if you want to get a little more ambitious, why not Romans? Yeah. Or Rome. First Corinthians. Romans is excellent. Yeah. First Corinthians talks about problems. If you want to talk about practical living, I'd look at the book of James or Proverbs. Oh, yes. Go back to the Old Testament and look at Proverbs. And Well, uh, you know, asking a preacher what part of the Bible <laughs> is like saying sick him <laughs> to a dog. That's, 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 well, I think you really should study First and Second Kings. You know, I'm preaching through that now. Some people are saying, why are you preaching through Kings? Well, there's, yeah. a, there's a wealth. I have there. a friend who wrote a book, a commentary, a devotional <laughs> commentary on the Song of Songs. Oh, yes. He preached for two years sermons off and on on the Song of Songs. Remarkable. Yeah. So yeah. there is an amazing depth to any there part is. of the scripture that you go to. But uh, suggesting first the Gospel of John, I think, is really a, a wonderful suggestion. And uh, one of the goals should be to uh, simply see the person of Jesus. Yeah. Um, see how he lived, what he said, what he did, and get to know him uh, that way, in a, in a personal way, as he's revealed to us in the scriptures, is rich. And furthermore, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the new person to the Bible ought to know this, that the Bible is entirely reliable and the Word of mm. God. Yeah, right. Um, and it can be understood through study. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's God's ordained means that we might uh, come to a better understanding of his Word and grow in the, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Mm. But the Scriptures are not only can be understood because the Holy Spirit gave them and he is in your heart but the scriptures are possess a quality called clarity or as oh, mark yes. used a big word tell mm-hmm. them that word perspicuity at <laughs> perspicuity did you just sneeze mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> say that word again yeah. perspicuity perspicuity yes and what does that word mean it means the scriptures can be understood by average individual Yes, right, it's is. it's what the ref- reformers taught. It's so I, I don't, been I taught don't need history. a special uh, guru out in California no, giving not a special me spiritual elite. deeper meanings that's no. elite. No, okay. That's why Wycliffe and Tyndall translated the scriptures so the average person could read it because yeah. they knew that they could understand it. That's yes. what the scriptures Now, they should read. stay in touch with the fellowship. The right. Holy. That's key. Um, that's key. They They should always read it in the context of their Christian fellowship and worship. Yeah, and that occurs first and foremost in the church. And uh, Bible studies uh, under the auspices of the church and where you have 
direction and so forth, uh, that can be yeah. important. Yeah. But anyone who sets themselves up as a special and spiritual uh, authority has done something that is inimical to the actual purpose of the Scripture. Mm. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking at the clock here. We're out of time for this broadcast. Um, today you've been listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. We've been talking about how to read the Bible. And uh, this uh, particular broadcast is a follow-on to last week's. And uh, we would invite you to visit our website where this, as well as all previous A Plain Answer broadcasts, are posted for download free of charge. They're also linked to iTunes. That address is RedeemerBroadcasting.org. We have one minute for wrap-up thoughts. Gentlemen, any comments as we close? The key thing is to be studying the Scriptures and just to read the whole Scriptures. Hmm. And and the problem comes not having a, a kind of special knowledge or gnosis. Now, the problem comes with having ignorance from not reading them. I, yeah. I think of Josiah when they finally discovered the Word of God again after so many years. And he read it and he knew things were wrong mm-hmm. immediately because it was plain in the Word. And mm-hmm. that's that's what happens. You stay in the Word, you're going to find those things. Well, of course, we should not close, uh, Dan, without, uh, uh, it seems to me, reminding of the people of one of the most important verses in the Bible. And it testifies to the, to the power and worth of the Scriptures. It is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuke, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Well, with that, uh, we can improve on that, and uh, I see we're out of time already. Thank you for joining us today, dear listener, for another edition of A Plain Answer. Again, a reminder, you can find us online at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. May our Lord richly bless you today with His grace and His peace as you serve Him. Washing my